If you listened all the way to the end of our last episode, you're already prepared to hear a few more insights from the wonderful Dr. Mitch Chasen about the relationship between mental health and physical beauty. Now, if you missed that piece, it's not a big deal. You're still welcome to and will enjoy today's mini episode. I'm hopeful that these sound bites add a little lift to your own personal journey. Welcome to Heartbreak and Hope with Pat Barbarito, the show that explores how to build up or break down any relationship with confidence, clarity, and compassion. Are there parameters or is there a way that you evaluate whether or not somebody's too young or too old to have a procedure of any type done? It's a great question. And we treat patients from from very young to very mature. Sometimes the most mature patients are the youngest and sometimes the most immature are the oldest. We will treat patients into their 90s post 100 years of age and they come in and they're just the most incredible people that have incredible insight and little tweaks just make them really happy. Then we see younger people and each year the age, the average age of a patient in a cosmetic practice falls. So it's not uncommon that we're seeing 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old people, both guys and girls. Those could be conditions for acne. Those may be acne scores. That may be rosacea. That may be just redness and flushing. That may be underarm sweating. That may be lines and wrinkles that they see in their their moms that they don't want to have down the road. You know, how we tackle these things and making sure that they're there for the right reason. Again, if that adolescent is there because this physical condition is a sign of an underlying mental disorder, they really need to seek care for that first. And so we try to pick up on that as soon as as soon as possible but very often it's not and when you see the the strength of social media today you know it's something that's triggering younger and younger people to undergo treatments you know i say all day long that these people are just not going to age like their parents and yeah. grandparents i mean they're staying out of the sun they're treating their skin with proper things so most of them you know it's a really really healthy thing but at times, it's not healthy. And again, it's a sign of an underlying problem that clinicians need to pick up on. As people get older, you know, they sometimes, you know, have been with another spouse for 50 years, 60 years, and now they're all alone. And that doesn't mean they're going to remain alone. You know, they start dating, they start meeting people, and they're undergoing the same kinds of things that someone 20, 30, 40 years younger than them would undergo. It's not any different. The same kind of feelings. So age is irrelevant in our practice. Mitch, I'm wondering, you know, we hear people, sometimes famous people saying, oh, I'm going to age gracefully. I'm not going to get anything done. First of all, I don't think they're always telling the truth, but assume they are. How do you feel about that when people say, I'm not doing anything. I'm doing nothing. I'm not getting any help. I'm not getting any augmentation. I'm just going to age gracefully. And, And 27 years of providing cosmetic medicine. I've never heard a person say, I'd like to age gracefully, who is not looking to do some kind of cosmetic treatment. Right. (laughs) To them, aging gracefully means I want to look natural. I want to look better, but I want to look like nothing's been done. 
That's the definition in a cosmetic practice of aging gracefully. So Mitch, you do and perform many procedures, um, but is there one that you get more satisfaction out of than others? Do you have a favorite that you like the results of? At, at our practice, we provide treatments both for the face and body, all the way from completely non-invasive treatments to surgical treatments. And the truth of the matter, you know, the recommendations for each person are so different, and it's really more about the outcome. And to me, the outcome has to be one that is completely natural looking, where you can't tell something's been done, that people will recognize that people just look better, they look healthy, it looks like they've gotten a good night's sleep, it looks like they just got back from vacation, it looks like they're happy. You know, I like when women and guys, you know, they come in and people are asking, you know, whether they just got a new haircut or whether they are on a diet or whether they, you know, just, they don't notice what's been done, but they notice that that person is looking and acting better. It was interesting, I had a, a family friend that I've been telling for years that she needed to have her eyelids done. I mean, they had gotten heavier and heavier and she was reluctant. And finally she had them done someplace else where she lives. And I saw her for dinner with her husband and, you know, the night went by and she looked great. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? I'm pissed at you. And I said, really? What did I do? She said, how could you not comment about my eyes? And I looked at her eyes and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't realize, you know, they look unbelievable now, you know, reflecting on what they used to look like and how good they look now. But I didn't even pick up on it. Mm. And that's the ultimate compliment when you just look better, right? But you can't tell that something's been done. If and you we can achieve tell. that. Yeah, we can achieve that through you, the use of technologies like lasers. We can use injectables. We can use surgery. And when these things are appropriate, when they're used and not abused, the, the results are incredible. And, and again, you shouldn't be able to tell that something happened. If someone comes back in and said, people have been complimenting me on my lips since you did my lips, that is a negative thing. That's not a positive. When we do lip filler on a patient, I want them to be complimented on their eyes. Now, that's the sign of lips injected well, not someone complimenting their lips. Mm -hmm. Usually that's a bad sign. You know, it's really tailoring the treatment to the patient's needs. And, you know, the key thing is, you know, for an aesthetic pro professional to have the capabilities, the knowledge, the experience, and also the technologies to be able to tailor that treatment specifically to a patient's needs. Sometimes aesthetic practitioners only use injectables or they only use technologies like lasers, or they only do surgery. And I think, you know, it's like the, the thing you say, well, you know, if you're a carpenter, everything looks like a nail, right? right? So you really want to have the ability to tailor it specific to a person's needs, not only their clinical needs, but their ability for downtime, the level of invasiveness, the worry about whether something's going to, to hurt or not. And, and many other factors. And that's really when you make a person happy. 
we all see celebrities on television, in magazines, at least in the old days, on social media. And and sometimes they really don't look natural. It's a little scary. Looks like a rib was removed or breasts are really artificial or skin is pulled so tight. When you see that, why do you think they do it to that extreme? Don't they look in a mirror? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's clear answers to that, actually. One of the questions patients always are concerned about is, well, if these celebrities come out looking so horrible and they have all the money in the world to go to the best people, you know, how can they come out looking like that? And they blame the procedure. And the truth of the matter is very often these celebrities are not good candidates for a procedure. If you're not a good candidate for a procedure, I don't care how good the practitioner is, how good the surgeon is or the injector is, you're just not going to have a good outcome. And so it boils down to the fact that these people are going to the right practitioners. They are going to people that know how to do it right. But these people are reluctant to tell the celebrity no. And these celebrities push. I am the worst person to treat celebrities. And I've treated dozens and dozens of celebrities and one after the other. They, they tend not to like me because I tell them like it is. And I tell them, this is too much, or you're not a good candidate for this, or it's not going to look natural. And they don't want to hear no. They want to hear yes. And they get offended when you tell them no. And it's, it's a bit problematic. You know, my belief is a natural looking outcome. At times, a celebrity's positive outcome is one that's a little unnatural looking. You know, whether it's, you know, what's in style, a big butt or a big cheek or a big forehead. And they want to be they want to be noticed for these things. And and other times they just want to, you know, do more and more and more. If a little bit is good, more is is better. And the practitioner just doesn't have the guts to tell them no, because there's gravitas in treating patients that are very well known. So. The celebrities that I treat are ones that really appreciate the honesty, and they're not used to that honesty. They're used to people just bowing down and doing whatever they ask to, to be done. And so when they develop this respect, it becomes this long-lasting relationship. And I have a lot of celebrities that I treat that when you look at them, you would never know anything happened. And these are on-air personalities. These are movie stars. They just look great. They look like they're aging well. They look natural. You'd never be able to tell that they have treatments. But that's a big change for them because very often they come in expecting to get their way with everything they ask for. So let's talk about complications. We see complications every single day. And 90% of the complications we see are what we call iatrogenic, meaning they were caused by a practitioner doing an inappropriate treatment or a treatment with bad technique. And these mm -hmm. are avoidable. In our field, because the demand has become so great, the number of people doing these procedures has risen greater than the demand. And the laws in our state mm -hmm. of New Jersey used to be very, very restrictive. We were the most restrictive state in the world. More recently, the government has now allowed practitioners with very little training and understanding of anatomy and physiology and, and, and other things that are so necessary to be able to start doing injectable treatments, laser treatments, 
surgical treatments. And so the number of complications that we're seeing are skyrocketing now. The second thing is the amount of focus that practitioner has and what they're doing. You know, I say, you know, would you go to a primary care doctor to have them work on your teeth? And the answer is no. Well, why would you go to the dentist to work on your That's cosmetic That's amazing. I, you know, um, I, that makes me crazy when I see that. It's, it's also about focus. An individual that is not fully committed to a field, I mean, is the gynecologist who is doing pap smears and, and doing gynecology all day, when they're doing their continuing medical education, are they doing it for gynecology? I hope so. I don't think they're doing it to do Oh, I agree. It, it's you know, fascinating so, how many people are doing this. Like, oh, there's Botox parties, there's nurse. I mean, it's fascinating. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people run to this industry because it's a cash pay industry and it's a way to pick up some extra mm -hmm. money. And yeah. it's not for a passion in the field. Also, these individuals are not making the kinds of investments. The technologies in our office, I mean, are worth oh. millions and millions of dollars and and so we know when we're giving some a device to treat, it's a device that's specific for them, for their skin type, for example. One of the most common reasons for complications are treating a person with darker skin with a device that's intended for lighter skin. So if you're not committed to the field, have you obtained the proper number of devices to be able to treat people of all skin types? Well, very often not. And again, that's a common reason for complication. So focus is critical. I mean, ongoing education, going to many conferences and networking, I mean, it's critical in every field, not just in medicine, but you probably wouldn't see a medical practitioner if they weren't focused in that field. But and for some reason, people are more amenable to seeing an aesthetic provider when they really don't have the background and knowledge and knowledge of anatomy. And on top of that, God forbid, there's a complication Many of these clinicians, they don't have the ability to prescribe medicines even. So there is a complication. How do they deal with it? You know, it's something that we're trying to continue to train these individuals so their, their outcomes are better and safer because this is a field that has, you know, mostly great outcomes, but there are a lot of potential complications like any other field in medicine. And the key is to minimize them. Part of what I do is teach and mentor, and that's both physicians as well as non-physicians to make, to make everyone better at what they do. It's a very different way of looking at cosmetic procedures because people don't look at it like this. They think you can go to the dentist and get Botox. It's a very different approach. So Mitch, I'm wondering, is there one thing that you think every doctor in your field should learn or know? And along those lines, is there one thing that maybe every patient should learn or know? So that's a great question. I think the one thing every physician, any clinician, whether that's a nurse, a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, any clinician should have compassion. And whether it's a medical procedure or whether it's an aesthetic procedure, to have compassion, to truly understand why that person is there and, and what are the emotional components to the concern that that patient has, whether it's a cardiac condition, a GI condition, or an aesthetic condition, you know, you're going a, a long way there towards developing trust with that patient. And that is going to be a much happier patient, a much more content patient, 
and a much more loyal patient. And you're really doing that patient a service. You know, there's this tendency, we're all busy, there's patients in the waiting room, and you need to stop yourself. You need to sit down and and take the time to ask these questions. Sometimes patients offer them up, and sometimes you really have to, to pull them out of patients, the things about what they're feeling. And when you do that, you're really understanding the patient as a whole and truly doing them a service. In, in terms of patients, you know, patients should really come in armed with questions, you know, and they should be forthcoming with these questions. And sometimes patients are, you know, they are bashful about asking questions, you know, simple questions about, you know, will this hurt? Or will someone be able to tell I've done something? Or what does it cost? Or how much downtime? All these things. These are the key things that patients need to know whether to decide whether they're going to undergo a procedure, and they should be asking about those things. If they don't verbalize them, I will ask them about these things. I call them the buttons, and and they're the same kind of things in general medicine. So come armed with the things that you're truly concerned about. Never be bashful. I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't articulate them. And if the practitioner is not able to answer these and, and give you comfort in those answers, it's the wrong practitioner for you. You should walk out having this confidence in their practitioner that they're the right person for you before undergoing any treatment, whether it's medical or, or cosmetic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Please give us a five-star rating and leave a review so more people can listen in to Heartbreak and Hope with Pat Barbarito. 